afternoon. Of course, that's all subject to change. Keep listening to Radio Catskill. This is WJFF Jeffersonville W two three three AH Monticello. Streaming online and on the web at WJFFradio.org. 845-482-4141. Old school session celebrating 20 years at WJFF. So many years of funk, reggae, R&B, disco, you know, all the great old school music that we love. We bring it to you every week. Old School Sessions 20th Anniversary on WJFF. The Old School Sessions 20th Anniversary Extravaganza Spectacular. Join Selector Starkey and DJ Chunks Saturday night at 10. Welcome to Sabrina Artel's Trailer Talk. I'll bring you all kinds of stories from all kinds of people. Whether it's a live public conversation and we're speaking from the kitchen table of my 1965 Beeline Travel Trailer, from the studios or on the streets, please sit back and enjoy the conversation right here this time every week. Welcome to my virtual travel trailer in this episode as Martin Colavito joins me over the Zoom kitchen table. I invite you to imagine yourself sitting with us for this conversation. Martin is the Community Hub Program Manager with Sullivan Allies Leading Together, known as SALT. SALT exists to address the collateral issues that fuel the systemic problems afflicting our county for decades. Feeding the hungry, clothing those in need, furnishing empty homes, and reminding people that basic human rights are not bestowed upon us, they are our birthright. They continue to state SALT strives to collaboratively clear a path for those who feel lost. We do this together, reminding folks they are not alone, they are our neighbors, and we need them. And now, coming to you from Sullivan County, New York, in the Catskills. Uh, my name is Martin Calavito. Um, I've been a human servant for about 45 years. Uh, worked in the field of substance abuse uh, disorders as a clinician for 26 years. Been a community organizer for over 40 years. Um, basically a human servant. Currently, I, I, my paycheck is signed by Cornell Cooperative Extension, but I have and always will work for the people I serve. So could you explain the relationship then between the Sullivan County-based Cornell Cooperative and SALT, the Sullivan sure. Allies Leading Together? I want to share with our listeners, we are in Sullivan County, New York, in the Catskills, and this is where this community-based work is happening. SALT is a community-based organization that was started by a bunch of people in the community, grassroots folks, boots on the ground, uh, human servants, and people within the community, all right? The idea originally with SALT is to develop a, a tool of navigation for somebody who would be in need of any kind, whether it be homelessness, fear, suffering, uh, it could be substance use disorder, mental health, anything. And our goal was to cut through all the bureaucratic stuff and get people service, all right? Part of what we do to develop SALT was to, 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 to tie in the human service agencies and the, the agencies that serve others within the community, with Cornell being one, has been an incredible partner from day one. SALT's been around for about six years. Um, so what had happened with SALT, because it's grassroots because it's very organic. It's very attractive to folks because 
we try not to dance that dance with the devil because the devil leads, if you know what I mean. So we try to stay true to our mission. And as a result, these strong relationships are developed with these agencies, Cornell being one. So a little while ago, about a year ago, actually, um, working with Aileen Gunther, working with uh, Lori James Orstano and the, the superintendent of the Monticello School District, um, I, I was asked to be involved in the development of this community hub. And Cornell being the, the true partner that it is, we asked Cornell to be involved. And so a little funding was allowed to start this. And Cornell was really great to be the fiscal agent. And that kind of put bread on my table. And that's how Cornell got started with the community hub. Then COVID kicked in and we had to close the community hub. So what we recognized as SALT was there was long before COVID hit, hunger was a big issue in our community. Well, we took the opportunity now to partner with the school district who was distributing lunches to all of its students, but they always had extra. And we had this agreement with them that they would give us their extra. The money that we would use to fund the community hub, we would now use to feed people, to make this effort to feed people, a collaboration with SALT, uh, Cornell Cooperative Extension, and at the time, the school district. So we took these lunches and we began delivering them to people these extra lunches who could not access food. So that's how that, that the birth of our relationship, I guess, professionally with uh, Cornell started. Cornell became the fiscal agent because we're not a 501c3. And that's up until this point, we're not a 501c3 or a nonprofit by design. Because part of our mission is to serve and to serve the people in the community. We are not charity. We are partners. We're neighbors, we're friends, we're fathers, we're husbands, we're wives, we're daughters, we're brothers, we're sisters. That's what we are. So you're describing that SALT is about, you said, we're not a charity, this is about, it's a community-based organization about Mm -hmm. partnerships, about recognizing an individual's role in Mm -hmm. the community, Mm -hmm. and it is an organization of service, Mm -hmm. and in the description of SALT, Mm -hmm. it says SALT exists to address the collateral issues that mm-hmm. fuel the systemic problems afflicting our county for decades, mm-hmm. including the hungry, clothing those in need, furnishing empty homes, and reminding people that basic human rights are not bestowed upon us. They are our birthright. So yes. based on the mission of SALT and what you're describing and your own lifetime of service, 40-something mm-hmm. years at this point, how would you describe so our listeners understand both our local listeners and someone somewhere else, our community in Sullivan County? Our community in Sullivan County is one that has been for the past 15 years steeped in, in, in uh, poverty. Um, well, more than 15 years, uh, but um, out of the 62 counties in New York state, um, for the past 12 years, Sullivan County has been the 61st unhealthiest county in New York State. This year, we moved up to 60, but has this, this incredible record of uh, disparity, marginalization, um, and pain and suffering. So currently, it's, it's a rural county, which means that access to a lot of services has been a very big issue. All right. Re- recently, transportation hub or a transportation route has been established through the work with the county and community-based organizations like SALT um, and, and providing better access, but it's still an issue. 
the resources that are that are within Sullivan County are woefully less. And anybody who does any type of research in regard to uh, uh, counties such as Sullivan understand very quickly that the bar for service is much lower because the pay is much less, the benefits are much less, the the housing is much, you know, on and on and on and on. So, so it, Martin, but, you're describing these deficits. And yes. as you said, Sullivan County, New York used to be the second unhealthiest in the state of New York is now the third after the yes. South Bronx. So if you now share with us the assets, because of course you've been doing this incredibly vital work that has gotten more attention during this time of the pandemic, and I want us mm -hmm. to discuss that. But what has mm -hmm. kept you here? What, what is it that you would share about the actual assets of Sullivan County? From my perspective, the greatest asset that Sullivan County has are, are the people who live here, are the people who who, and I'll give you a great example. So we deliver food now. So now we have this whole thing going where we're getting food to about 400 people a week. And the folks we deliver food to obviously are, are members of this county or stakeholders, but are stakeholders who don't have a lot. And it is not uncommon for these people who have very little to offer help for, to pay for gas to, to, as a donation. And, and I always tell people that the people with the least in Sullivan County, it seems, give the most of their hearts and their minds. So to me, the most incredible asset in Sullivan County are the people who live here, the people we serve. And the other thing, as, as kind of self-defeating as the description I originally gave of the deficits of Sullivan County, hope is here, you know, hope is in the room and that's a huge asset as well. So everywhere we go, there's hope. And so the people who are suffering and, you know, there's a million stories. So I'm, I'm not going to bore you with them. But, but there, I, countless times, people who were suffering just needed to know that hope was five inches away from them and to be navigated to that hope, you know. And that's a huge asset, too, that, that recognition that as long as you're in the game, you can win. And that's a big asset to people's mindsets and, and paradigms because now because of hope, we don't look at things as, as, as deficit-oriented as we once did, you know, even though the deficits are still there. Let's talk about those needs, those deficits. What has been revealed to you during COVID, during this pandemic? What, of course, as you've said, and we know that these issues existed before, but what escalated? What are things looking like now? Okay, when it started five, six months ago, when we started doing what we were doing, um, aiding to the deficits was this, you know, and I know it's kind of like the exact opposite of what I just said, but there was extreme hopelessness. All right. That people in the community were thirsting for leadership. Didn't know what to do. Didn't know where to go. You know, they were told stay home. But if I'm a 75 year old person with arthritis and you know, I have a walker and I usually go to the corner store to buy something and I can't do that now. How do I get that container of milk? People were hopeless. And the silence was kind of deafening. From the agencies in the community, because everybody shut down, everybody went home and did work from home and, quote, you know, um, and for God or, or you know, and, and God, I understand people were, were concerned and scared. But there was a whole lot of people left behind from my perspective now. This is Marty Calavito. There was a whole lot of people left behind. 
And there is still that silence. So, so we can get into about a silence of, of leadership. leadership. Yes. So what do you want to see happen? What have you learned during these months? You are with SALT, Sullivan mm -hmm. Allies Leading Together. You are the community hub program manager and more. So you shared with us that you've been delivering food to 400 people a week yeah. in a county of about 76 plus thousand people. So mm -hmm. what do you want to see change? What do you want to see change within the structure? What I would love to see change, and the thing I realize more, most of anything, is that the food has become very secondary to the contact, to the connection. All right? So a couple of weeks ago, a woman we were delivering food to died in the far reaches of the county. And her, her daughter called me and told me that she had passed away, but wanted to make sure that, you know, that Saturday morning, how important that was for her to just, you know, know that people were coming and people were looking in and, and on and on and on. And, you know, we take everything for granted. I know I do. But I, I would like to see more leadership through this connection, through a consideration that the people who are charged to lead, a big part of leadership is listening and considering. And if you don't do that, people are left behind. So I would love to see more of that from Jump. Um, because even if you don't have the resources, if you have the heart, it's amazing what that brings to the table. I don't know if that makes sense. Yes. And uh, so you have recognized that a change of leadership is needed mm -hmm. in the county, that it, it sounds like what you're describing is also to have participation uh, yeah. with, with community members who may not typically have that engagement mm -hmm. with decision-making. And um, so, yes, yeah, so I'd like to, as you said, the food, it's interesting to hear you say, since you, you are with SALT delivering to 400 people a week who are in need of food, and that's a large, and I know you're one of other organizations and people delivering food, so there's a huge food scarcity in the county, but you've just said that's even secondary to the contact. So, so what is it, if you could share with us, because you have had a lifetime up to this point, 40 plus years, doing grassroots community-based work. Mm -hmm. So in this moment, mm -hmm. eight months into the pandemic, what is it you can share with our listeners about what you're learning uh, through the food delivery and also through this contact? What are some of the other initiatives that have surfaced during this time that you've become involved with? This is probably not very exciting to most, but it's really exciting to me. The first thing I always think of is the leadership that's been developed as a result of this. So part of our strategy is, yes, we'll deliver to individual people's homes, apartments, whatever. But the other part is to develop leadership in the community that will take some of this food and to distribute it themselves to their neighbors, making them a leader in their community. So in Monticello, in Wordsboro, in, in you know, all over the county from Narrowsburg to, 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 to Bloomingburg, 
you know, these little pockets kind of formed and, and people raised their head up. They rose their head up. And now n- numerous people who we've been serving want to come and help us serve. Okay. And to me, that's incredible. And, and you look at me and, and I got to tell you, whenever I'm in, in a room with people. Well, how to describe yourself since this is radio, Martin? <laughs> well, this is the biggest description <laughs> I can give. nowhere on Zoom or in a virtual trailer. But uh, for those, I always think I always think I'm the dumbest guy in the room. I really do, and I never feel more whole than I'm with the people I serve. And so, what's exciting to me is is that this leadership is being developed within the community, the grassroots leadership, that hopefully, as a result of this, really realize that they're the true stakeholders. I think that's really really exciting for me. It's, it's unbelievable. Is is how People now treat us like we are a food delivery service. So it's almost like, you know, there, there is this exchange of cash to deliver food and they're expected us to act that way. And sometimes people, you know, will say, well, you were late today or this or that. And that's a compliment. That's a compliment because we're not seen as this, this type of savior we're seen as something that is part of their lives and that it's something that, it, it, you know, it's not anybody riding on a white horse. It's somebody really making them feel that the only difference between any of us, between me, you, and anybody who's ever walked this earth is luck. Where we were born, how we were born, you know, is luck. And I'm reminded of that luck every single day through the love of these people, you know, so. Your community members, our community yeah. members, as you're describing. So if we're looking at an intersection of social justice issues, uh, can you describe some of these initiatives that you become involved with, like the Committee for Equity and Justice, for instance? Yeah. Um, so the, the Committee of Equity and Justice. So I was the, previously I was the chair of the Human Rights Commission on, in Sullivan County. And for whatever reason, the county chose not to reinstate, the legislature chose not to reinstate uh, us um, in these positions, even after numerous attempts to kind of uh, get this done. So what we did instead was we started this committee, the Committee for Equity and Justice, that, and it's the most liberating thing we've ever done, because the conflict, and I'm not in any way, shape, or form commenting on the county, I'm commenting on an inherent conflict when a county runs a human service commission uh, committee, um, that there is a conflict. Because sometimes the complaints you get are from county workers. Sometimes the complaints you get are from this person or that person. So now we're this non-biased, you know, bias, this independent little group that, uh, as a result, went on to not only address human rights complaints, but as well what we've done is, and, and last night was the first uh, uh, effort, we started a, a community conversation that's beginning to address, you know, the cultural disparities in the country by investigating our own systemic biases that everybody has. So normally we point the finger, the, the meaning of this group is look at the three fingers pointing back first before we start dealing with the others, all right? And we had 16 people last night. So that's one of the things through this Committee of Equity and Justice that we're doing. We also have been sponsoring a thing called Hate is No Home in Sullivan County. And we go to different communities and we bring people together and we don't talk politics. We don't talk faith. 
we talk about each other and how hate is not welcome in our community. And if somebody is hateful, we beg them to come because regardless, they're, they're welcome as human beings. And we know that love is always going to defeat hate. So those are some of the other things we're doing. We're starting to work, uh, do some really neat work with the LGBTQ community and get them involved in some of these committees that the, commit, uh, the, uh, the, the county uh, sponsors as well. Um, so, I, I mean, there's a ton of stuff we're doing. Did Smart come out of, did it come out of the pandemic in the sense of as issues became more obvious and as I think the urgency of, of the situation both nationally and locally increase. Would you say that, that there's a connection? I think there, I don't know if there's a connection to the pandemic. I think there is a connection to the divisiveness and the lack of national leadership. All right. Uh, there's an absolute connection to that. Um, I think we're living in times that, that sprouted this huge umbrella over those that are marginalized and it tries to drive them deeper into the holes for lack of a better term. Um, and I think a lot of this is a reaction to that and to remind people again about those rights that we are entitled to. People talk about entitlements all the time. We are entitled to some basic rights and, and that's becoming lost and it's kind of scary. So, yeah. What would you like to see Martin moving forward? Uh, you are the community hub program manager with Sullivan Allies Leading Together, also known as SALT. And you've been sharing with us initiatives that are part of the program. And you haven't even mentioned, right, the kind of the, uh, the drug and yeah. opioid support, but you've mentioned the, uh, the Hate Has No Home program and the Committee for Equity and Justice. What would you like to see now as these next steps, since it does seem that more people are aware of the needs and we are entering an unknown time right now because of the pandemic, economically, socially, politically. I would like to see, well, a couple of things. I would like to see things like SALT sustain, and I think they will. I mean, I've been involved in coalitions that are sustaining decades, and I know SALT will, uh, and hand that off to people that are much more capable than me. I'd like to see this food effort sustain, which I think can happen. Hand that off because there's some really strong people that are involved. You're talking to me, but I'm nothing without, you know, these folks are just incredible. You know? um, and, and I would really like to see the faith-based community in Sullivan County and in all impoverished areas work better together because they are a conduit to people and there is an absolute need for the faith-based community come, to come together and in time of crisis, address a crisis rather than a status quo. So I, I would like to see that happen. And I would like to see a recognition for these people that for the past 30, 40 years have been supporting Sullivan County through the sweat and blood and efforts that, you know, Everybody thinks the cure to poverty is gentrification. And, you know, where do the folks go that have been supporting things, you know? And I'd like to see a recognition of that and uh, understand that gentrification isn't bad as long as you consider the folks that were the 
you know, the, the tent poles, you know, along the way. Um, and, and I would like to see the, the, the political machine in the county, the legislature, the local town political machines to put politics aside and respect people for who they are. There's very little difference between most of our basic beliefs. And if we can agree on certain things, we can disagree on others, but continue to respect and love each other. Martin, is there something you can point to in your life that has led you to serve in this kind of way, to be involved in this kind of community-based work? Yeah, I was very lucky. I'm very lucky. I was, I was a jerk when I was a kid and, you know, who wasn't? And I was lucky to meet some people and I don't even know how I met him looking back, but, you know, I, I had met this Jesuit priest. His name was Ned Murphy. He was part of this Camden 26 years and years ago uh, where, where they, they were just fearless. They, they defended each other and uh, in Camden, New Jersey, as a result of some civil disobedience and, uh, they were looking at some extensive time and, and, and were acquitted, you know, uh, Daniel Berrigan, you know, who I'd known, but you know, really Ned Murphy was a big influence in my life. A fellow named Preston Wilcox, who was a community activist in Harlem, who became a mentor of mine, you know, was the first one to make me realize that I can't keep what I have unless I give it away. Um, and just incredible influence in my life. Pete Bourbeau, who got me into organizing, um, and four guys I grew up with who are still my family, um, that when things were, were really, really hard, they were always there. And then I met somebody who was, uh, I guess, didn't have the common sense enough, but, but for love, fell in love with me for whatever reason. We're together for about 40 years, and i the best person I ever met in my life. So I wouldn't be here if I couldn't walk behind all of those folks, you know? Uh, so. Thank you, Martin. And from Harlem, New York, then to Sullivan County, New York, in the Catskills, mm-hmm. what, what brought you to Sullivan County? Honestly, what brought me to Sullivan County is I was organizing in uh, the Bronx and there were some situations that got a little dicey. And my, I, 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 my, my brother um, had, had a, I guess, concern, said to me, you know, I didn't have to get hurt uh, serving people. I can, you know, you know, look at, you know, help people and not get hurt. Um, and uh, got me involved with the field of substance use disorders. And so it was really neat because what was great about that was I, you know, was able to, you know, uh, serve others directly, but bring it to the community as well. You know, worked in the prison systems, got interviewed people, got them out of Rikers Island, you know, state, state bids, um, and was able to take the, the therapeutics and also tie the community into that as well. Thank um, you for sharing that, Martin. Is there anything else? you'd like to share? No, I appreciate the opportunity. Um, you know, uh, but, uh, you know, just thank you. And really thanks to all the people I mentioned because they're the best people. Lynn's the best person I ever met. That's the one who married me. But the rest of the folks are the second best people I ever met. Are pretty good as well. (laughs) Thank you so, thank you so much, Martin. Okay. I'm speaking with Martin Colavito from Sullivan Allies Leading Together, also known as SALT. He's the Community Hub Program Manager. And Sullivan Allies Leading Together describes themselves as a diverse partnership with agencies and community resources 
committed to working together to improve the quality of life for the residents of Sullivan County through information sharing, increased prevention efforts, and interagency collaboration, we seek to improve access to services that empower members of our community to make lasting and positive change. To find out more about SALT, please visit saltcares.com. Thank you again, Martin. It was fantastic. From the kitchen table, out on the road, I'm Sabrina Artell. Thanks for joining me for Sabrina Artell's Trailer Talk. The music for the show, Patti Smith, People Have the Power. Trailer Talk is produced by Sabrina Artell. For more information, please visit trailertalk.net. Special thanks to WJFF Radio Catskill and the numerous people who have donated their time, resources, and conversations to make Trailer Talk possible. Thank you all who joined me in these conversations. I'm Sabrina Artell. Safe travels. Fun Drive is in progress, but especially right now, you need information. That's why you're hearing news and conversation without interruption. Here's how to donate to this NPR station right now. Consider signing up to be a sound supporter to make sure Radio Catskill has your constant support. Please do it now. Go to WJFFradio.org. Cassie of Rare Pair Radio. It's a weekly showcase of primarily female artists, but also a wide range of avant-garde musicians, the fruit of post-punk, experimental, and fringe music. Your eyes are set on stone. I love to see you shine because you really Rare Pair Radio, Friday at 8 p.m. Welcome to Sabrina Artel's Trailer Talk. I'll bring you all kinds of stories from all kinds of people. Whether it's a live public conversation and we're speaking from the kitchen table of my 1965 Beeline travel trailer, from the studios or on the streets, please sit back and enjoy the conversation right here this time every week. I am at the Government Center in Monticello, New York for the picket to stop the sale of the Care Center at Sunset Lake. This event was hosted by Teamsters Local 445 and the Hudson Valley Area Labor Federation. They state, the proposed transfer and sale of the care center at Sunset Lake to a private operator is unacceptable. The rush in which the Sullivan County Legislature is acting to sell this community asset must be put on pause. Where it would go from being county owned to private. It is Tuesday morning, July 14th. 7 a.m. Hi, I'm Kat Scott. My mom is a resident of the Care Center at Sunset Lake. So Kat, you've been very involved with the letter, gathering signatures, making videos, sending them out to Sullivan County, your community members. Can you share with me why do you feel that this is so important that the sale not go through, that this county-owned Sunset Care Adult Center not be sold to a private entity? Because private puts profits over people. And this is a publicly managed care facility that we all own a piece of. This belongs to everyone in Sullivan County. And it's there in our hour of need. It was there for my mother in her hour of need. 
and you don't think that you're going to need it until the worst moment happens or until your parent or your loved one just they're not able to take care of themselves anymore and unless you've been a caregiver unless you've been in the situation you don't know and to have this resource available to my family in our hour of need made a huge difference this staff has supported not just my mom but me in the last three and a half years they've given me tremendous support as her health care proxy and as her caregiver and and as her daughter and you can't put a price on that it's something special that we have to preserve, not just for the people there today, but the people that will be there in the days, weeks, months, and years to come. And how would you describe the process so far of this county legislature? I think the process has been absolutely horrendous. It has not been democratic. You know, we're in a democracy where many get to um, voice what they want. And what's happened here is it's been hushed. It's been quick. It's in violation of open meeting laws. And... Um, it's just been done dirty. And I want to give them the benefit of the doubt. I do. I want to see the humanity behind these people who are making these decisions. But right now, all we're seeing is a rush-hush job. And the public deserves better than that. My mom deserves better than that. The care center at Sunset Lake is the best that Sullivan County has to offer. We show up for each other. We show up for each other when the fire whistle goes off and someone's house is on fire. We show up for each other when someone has cancer with a chicken barbecue. And the workers at the care center show up for their friends, family, and neighbors in their, their time of infirm, infirmary. And that's what we need to hold up, is we need to rise to that and we need to remember that the best of us is what we want to preserve, is what we really want to save. Thank you, Kat. Good morning, everyone. I'm Dick Reisling from Apple Pond Farm and Renewable Energy Education Center. I've been farming here for 48 years and training young people to be farmers and to adopt and everybody I can to adopt renewable energy and sustainability issues. And Dick, what brings you here to the Government Center in Monticello this morning? Well, this is a travesty and it's absolutely unnecessary. It reminds me of the, of the case where you you say, I pledge to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Now, why do you have to add all those second and third categories on there? It is true that the current operation loses money. It's true it has a 20-some million dollar accumulative deficit. It is not true that you cannot, as the legislature has decided, ask the population here to ante up what is necessary and also to participate in a process, if they were ever given one, where they could deliberate and they could help work out the solution. It is true, and this gets to more of the truth, and the whole truth, is that many counties in New York State have faced the same thing as Sullivan County has in the past, and many nations have done the same thing. They've suffered the same kind of challenge, and they have successfully worked it out by including the requisite number of stakeholders, and respecting the process. So, without going on any further, it is a universal principle of the human family when it's at its better nature that seniors get priority. Every one of us have a vested interest. In. I am 80 years old, so half the people in the room that we're going to in a few minutes will be senior citizens. Uh, now, and at this moment, everybody in the room hopes to be a senior citizen, and reap the benefits that senior life can give in an enormously privileged country like this. This is a violation of that possibility because it is also the whole truth that the economic model we have for this country 
has proven in a thousand ways, and most spectacularly now in the health care sector, that it will not give priority. It will not honor the universal truth that all people have the right. Now, we're not talking about just all the people, except that they include us as well. We have not been included. The process has been very diluted, very deliberately so. We've got to change all that. The time to do it start right now. And that's the whole truth. Thank you. Speaking with Dick Reisling from Apple Pond Farm. Aileen Gunther, Assemblywoman, Assembly District 100 in New York. Quality of care, continuity of care. And you know what? This is what it's all about. These folks have worked all their lives. They're Sullivan County residents. They are our family. And the fact of the matter is, this is not about money. This is about human life. It's about your last years and having an enjoyable life with people that love you. I know these people that work here today are very, very close to their, their patients. They're the ones that are loving them each day, that are feeding them, making sure they have appropriate clothing, and hugging them when they need a hug. We've just been through the COVID, the COVID experience, and now you're gonna rip the rug from under these older people, and for all these people, are they gonna be union again? Are these women going to get a fair wage? I bet not. I bet not. And you know what? They need input from all of you. And there's a few of us here today. You cannot stop until we make sure that we do the same thing as they did in Orange County. They found a way to survive. Those people have lived there for years and years. And they deserve to see your face, your face, all of them every morning. Dr. Salzberg and I have been in healthcare for years and years and years. We know those residents. They are our community. And how dare you threaten their lives and their happiness. So you know what? We have to stand together. And I don't know, if Sandy, if you want to talk a little bit about what's going on. It just upsets me. I know what my grandmother went through. I know it. And I've been, I've been in healthcare a long time. And you don't even realize that when this faith comes in in the morning, it brings joy to that resident. She knows her, she trusts her. Bringing in all these new people. And what about a fair wage? And not to mention, this is a woman's profession. Most of the people that are delivering care are women. And we're to front against women. And we deserve to be looked at and cared for, and these folks have devoted their lives to this occupation. So we're a small group today. We need a larger group tomorrow to make sure that we preserve the quality of care for everybody. I don't even know who's thinking about buying this. It might not be profitable. Healthcare is not a profitable business. Hospitals are suffering all over. It's to deliver the right care to people. And it's not about money. Woo! Barry Russell, a principal officer at Teamsters Local 445. We have hundreds of members up here in Sullivan County who work at various occupations. Many of them are in the adult care center. So we're going to stand shoulder to shoulder with those people and not going to leave any stone unturned to make sure that this process is done properly. 
our attorneys already tell us that there's been several things that have done that have been done improperly and unlawful to this point so far, and we're going to use that information, and uh, we're going to chase these guys down. We're going to chase these guys down. Okay, this process of selling these healthcare things to companies that put profit before care has has failed time and time and time and time again. Okay? History tells us that when you do this, something bad's gonna happen. And yet here we are. We're in possession of a letter from the legislative dated almost two years ago to the day that there were rumors about the sale of the adult care center. Nothing could be further than the truth. Our people in the county mean more to us and everything else too. And yet here we are. Here we are. If they don't get our message, and you shouldn't be fooled by this small crowd because this was intentionally scheduled this way, right? No. So that so that they wouldn't have the crowd of people that I know would rather that would want to be here in support. If they don't hear our message now, they will hear our message at the ballot box. Okay? We will use our resources and we'll put the boots on the ground and we'll make the people responsible for this pay. We're going to get them out. My name's Jim Donahue, by the way. My mom was at the uh, adult care center for 10 years. I was in there every day for 10 years, two, three hours a day, because I'm retired, so I got that kind of time. Well, I did some research, saw three different surveys. Unfortunately, there's not a lot out there. One in the UK, one in Canada, and the one that I'm going to cite today if I get a chance is in Allegheny County, Pennsylvania. They had four nursing homes. One stayed uh, public, one went management private, the other two went totally private. The totally private ones, it was horrendous because the people said they were afraid to talk or else they'd get fired. It went from one uh, CNA, 10 residents, from, to one CNA to 15 to 20 residents. Turnover in the first year was 50%. And then when you ask the people there who, when you ask the people there who uh, trains them when they come in, well, we just put them in there. They just put them in with the, the ones who've been there, and they train on the job. Ken Walter, I want to talk about the process. If they go ahead with what they want to do, remember the LDC is a public body, so all their meetings are open to the public, and they have to go in an executive session properly. The key part to today is to convince four. That's all we got to do. Four of the incumbents out of the five. And it should be all five at this point in time with the information we have. If they can't get six votes, it's dead. So we gotta lay on, lay it on to the incumbents to vote no. Let the four newbies stand alone by themselves. So the key is four votes stops it. And make sure we can get those four votes. All right. Okay, let's hear from Louie. We have our legislator here. Yes, my favorite legislator. Good morning. I wrote something down from this morning. Del corazón, del corazón, Louie. Actually, this was in Spanish when I read it this morning in Espanol. I'm going to try to translate it. So let me make this clear. So no, I'm not violating the Privacy Act. My wife is is a patient there, and um, I can't see this. I really can't. Our mission as legislators is to really take care of those that cannot take care of themselves, those that are sick. Those that are young, those that are old, how can we vote for something like this and sell the facility where so many people, our relatives are there, so many of the employees work very hard, 
to really, you know, to really take care of them. And, and, and let me tell you, like everybody knows that's here, and I, and I know, I, I can't, I can't point finger to who has relatives in there, otherwise I'll be violating the privacy. But if you want to raise your hand, but I know there's some people here sitting, especially one very close to me that we used to sit with our relatives and have dinner every day to see the staff there with you all the time, next to you. They went through all this pandemic, they went through all of this, and now they just want to turn around and sell the place? Come on. Then we, we stop being who we are. We stop caring about the people that we serve. I can't see this. Thank you. Thank you. I got a question. Has anyone on the legislature gone through another nursing home that was privatized like Roscoe and made a tour and seen what a privatization does? It's very different to run a facility by a county than it is to run a facility by a private business. Because so, a private business, you have no guarantee. No, no. You're there to make a profit. Exactly. We're here to serve the people. And guaranteed they will turn a profit on this place if they sell it at the expense of the workers and the residents. As soon as we got the message from Barry Russell that this was happening, it was just immediate that the Hudson Valley Area Labor Federation was here in unity in support with our neighbors here in Sullivan County, with the most vulnerable people. We understand that the long-term care is a very unique situation. We understand the relationships that are built in long-term care, and that is something that we cannot allow these people to defund or dismantle. We also understand the jobs. This is my beautiful sister here. I love her, and we've raised our family together, and I'm so excited that she is now gonna take a leadership role in being sure that we do not allow these people to make bad decisions. I'm the vice president of the Family Council of the Adult Care Center at Sunset Lake. We are all here today because the legislators who are behind this move have failed to perform their due diligence. I had conversations with several legislators yesterday, Louis among them, who knows what it's like, who has done the homework. Those studies that you reference, there are multiple studies out there dating back to the 1980s about what happens when a facility is privatized. That's part of their failure to do their due diligence. They have not looked at any of these studies, which almost all show staffing levels go down. There is an increase in the use of psychotropic medications at night because of short staffing to keep residents quiet so there are no problems because they are short-staffed. The, the company that they did interview, they came in here to do a sales presentation. Even though legislators have claimed this was an informational meeting, and they're not considering, they're not considering this company to take over the facility, other legislators admitted they were here with glossy brochures, <laughs> And if it was an informational meeting, I asked one legislator, why did your agenda packet already include the Articles of Incorporation for a Local Development Corporation? 
you know exactly how this process is going to work. No comment from the legislators. So everyone who is here today, if you have a desire to speak, we will distribute a pad. I want everyone who plans to speak, even if you don't plan to speak, put your name on the list so they know that there are far more than 25 people who want their voices heard. And we are here to demand that they perform their due diligence and not step into this lightly short-term profit at the expense of gambling away a five-star facility. And our dedicated staff there, my mom is also a patient there, the care she has received is phenomenal. Lots of people would step back and say, I'm safe because my loved one is already there. I don't have to worry. We have to worry now more than ever. They're receiving quality care, and if it is privatized, it is guaranteed to deteriorate. Staffing levels are guaranteed to go down. We have a wonderful union contract there now. A private operator will not be bound even to have a union stop despite their claims that it will be a criteria for the sale. I want to thank you all for coming out. Please sign up to speak. We will stop this today. Hey, Lou, yeah. how many signatures do you have on your letter? In 48, less than 48 hours, we put an open letter up. Right now, we have 261 folks who signed on that are opposed to this sale. And they are further opposed and incensed at the way this process has moved forward in the dead of night behind the veil of secrecy keeping other legislators out of the loop that they were even considering this until the day of their special meeting on July 2nd. That is not how representative democracy works in the United States. This is Sullivan County, as one of our legislators said, not Doherty County. This is not about politics. This is about people's lives. It's about our residents' lives, it's about our staff members, and it is most importantly about the quality of the future care that residents of Sullivan County should expect to receive. Thank you. I'm Priscilla Bassett. I was one of the resurrectors of SLAC, the Senior Legislative Action Committee, and a member of the Family Council. And we fought very hard a few years ago. I feel guilty that I thought that battle had been won. And here, in how many days they have prepared to throw our bricks and mortar down the drain. And it's wrong. But I want to add one thing here. Due diligence. The outfit that they have had come for a so-called informational meeting is ranked by Medicare. They rank all the nursing homes in the country. They have a five-star method. This uh, grand uh, health care system that has maybe 22 nursing homes in the state it's peppered with one and two, which are substandard, sub-average. They shouldn't even be invited to walk in the door for a presentation. 
Right. It's criminal. Hi, my name is Kat Scott. My mom is a resident of the care center for the last three and a half years. Um, I just want to say that the staff is incredible. And I'm going to cry again. I would not have made it through the last three and a half years without them. Having this public resource available to me during my mom's hour of need has made a huge difference. You don't think you're going to need this until the time comes and you're in your worst moment. And the last three and a half years have shown me the best that Sullivan County has to offer. We show up for each other. When the alarm goes off at 2 a.m., we show up because we're firefighters, we're EMTs. You know, we show up for each other because we're nurses and we're doctors and we're, and we're CNAs and we show up for each other like we're doing today. And we need to keep doing that because if this place goes private, they're not gonna show up for residents like my mom. They're not gonna go the extra mile. And honestly, I would move my mom if the place sells. I need to feel safe because my mom can't advocate for herself. She has dementia. She can't always tell me if something is wrong or something has happened. And that's why I depend on these people who are heroes, who showed up during the COVID crisis, who ran into a burning building and put their lives on the line during the time when people were getting sick and dying and they lost one of their own, but they still showed up and they went to work. And you don't get that. You can't buy that. You can't, you can't get that from a private place. So, you know, I'm just imploring everyone to voice your opinions to our nine elected officials and tell them that this place belongs to us. It belongs to everyone in Sullivan County and not nine people. They don't get to make the choice for us without hearing from us. We're invested, it's ours, and they need to vote no. All right, thank you guys. I want to say something. Uh, my name is Ray. I work for Teamsters Local 445. I'm a business agent that represents the, the employees there. You know, we just went through a huge layoff, huge impact um, to the county, which, you know, the, the financial losses to the county is not the fault of the employees, but the employees suffered through that, okay? We have short staffing numbers, understaffing numbers at the adult care center. Barbara, I speak to all the time, who puts in, I, I, I can't even begin to explain what they've gone through, what they've put up with through this, through this pandemic, continue to come to work, continue to do what they had to do to provide the care. And not only what she was talking about, about the approvals, which is huge, that's their money that they earn. So are they gonna lose that, their money that they earn, okay? Secondly, they're in a retirement system. They worked so many years to get their retirement. Now, if this goes private, they don't get that retirement. A lot of them that are there don't have another 20 years to go work somewhere, 25 years, whatever the case may be, to get that retirement. What happens to them now? What happens to that? They lose, they're gonna lose their retirement? Also, something that's negotiated through our contract is the health insurance. They have a very good health insurance plan. What happens to their health insurance and the quality of their health care if they need it? So what's the legislature's answer to that? Like I said, when we did the layoffs in the, in the first place, we didn't hire the led, we hired them by way of election. We didn't hire them to fire us when they laid us off in the first place. We didn't hire them to do what they feel they need to do without listening to what, to what the people that hired them and put them in place are asking them to do. They need to hear what we're asking, what we're telling them, and what we want them to do. What we want them to do is find another way. If the place is losing money, that's not because of the employees, management issue. Yeah. So why are the employees suffering Manager. once again, yeah. once again, because because of the poor management? Point the finger where it belongs. That this, we did not cause this, but we're the ones suffering from it. Again, 
like I told him during the layoff 20 years ago when I was when I first started with the county. I used to be a county employee over 20 years ago. I, we're still waiting for those positions to come back from then for the, for the layoffs. We've been talking about selling this care center for at least the 20 years that I, that I was around. So in 20 years, we haven't been able to do anything to manage it properly so that we don't lo continue to lose money and now the employees have to suffer again. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Lord knows we have enough managers. We do all realize that positions were recently created at very high salaries to help manage this county. We have nine legislators, county manager, assistant county manager, deputy county manager, assistant deputy county manager, 13 in total, and none of them can manage our building? Point the finger in the right direction, not our elderly. Throw the right bag of garbage out. Gloves off. Keep her strong. It is up to us to change their minds, and it only takes four to stop this process today. Thank you. Please, please sign, please sign our list that you want to speak. Even if it is only to say, I am here and I am opposed to the sale, you must do your research. Assemblywoman Gunther. You are here at this picket line. You're here for the county legislature meeting, and this is about the sale. sale of the long-term care facility that's been in existence year after year after year. As you can see, we have mostly women here today because they are the ones that are providing care to our most vulnerable population. And uh, we are against the sale. We understand the financial difficulties in not only this county, but every county. But there has to be a better way. We don't want these wonderful women that have provided care, that have become family to our residents, to lose their jobs. And you heard that there will be also a, the retirement will end for these women. And most of the workforce in the long-term care facility are women. They have relationships with the residents. The families depend on them. And they're asking to stop this process. Thank you. From the kitchen table, out on the road, I'm Sabrina Artell. Thanks for joining me for Sabrina Artell's Trailer Talk. The music for the show, Patti Smith, People Have the Power. Trailer Talk is produced by Sabrina Artell. For more information, please visit TrailerTalk.net. Special thanks to WJFF Radio Catskill and the numerous people who have donated their time, resources, and conversations to make Trailer Talk possible. Thank you all who joined me in these conversations. I'm Sabrina Artell. Safe travels. Support comes from the Women's Health Center in Honesdale, Hamlin, Waymart, Carbondale, and Lords Valley in Pennsylvania. Physicians and certified midwives who deliver. The Women's Health Center is a Wayne Memorial Community Health Center. WMH.org. Support for WJFF Radio Catskill comes from the River Reporter newspaper in Narrowsburg, New York, riverreporter.com, and from listener donations at wjffradio.org. I'm Rosie Starr, host of WJFF's Farm and Country. There's a lot we don't know. Here's what we do know. Whatever happens, we'll tell you about it. WJFF Radio Catskill will be there for you as long as you are here for us. 
Support the news, information, and entertainment your friends and neighbors rely on, especially during these uncertain times. Make your contribution now at WJFFradio.org. Thank you. WJFF Jeffersonville, W233AH Monticello. This is Radio Catskill, celebrating 30 years of public radio for the Catskills in Northeast Pennsylvania. Support comes from the law offices of John Ferrar.